Welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast. For anyone who wants to build and grow a career in IT, develop and improve your strengths and skills, be inspired and motivated by the successes of others, manage your career progression, and achieve your IT career goals. And now, your host, Phil Burgess. Welcome to episode 172 of the IT Career Energizer podcast. My guest on today's show is a full-time Python trainer. In a given year, he teaches courses at companies in the United States, Europe, Israel, and China, as well as to people around the world through his online courses. He is a regular panelist on the Freelancer Show podcast, CTO of Rent Like a Champion, and a published author. His most recent book, being Python Workout. So welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast, Reuven Lerner. Thank you so much, Phil. I'm very, very happy to be here. So I really wanted to ask you a couple of things to start with. So could you tell us maybe a little bit about uh, Rent Like a Champion? I know it's not directly related, but it would be good to know a little bit about it. Sure. So basically, football, let's say American football, is very big at American universities, right? College football, I guess as they call it. And so you have a lot of people coming back actually as alumni to games a few times a year and often throughout the year, throughout the football season. And so Red Like a Champion is basically, you can think of it, I don't think I was like using the wrong terms. It's sort of like an Airbnb, but specific to college football. And the idea is if you want to go see a game, there are no hotels in a lot of these college towns. So I've been working with them for, I'm guessing, like seven, eight, nine years already. I started doing some development, sort of work, worked up the chain as it were. It's still a very small company, but it's the only one in this niche. And we've managed to carve out a nice little business where if you want to go see a football game, you can stay at a house nearby. And it's great, great fun working with those guys. Okay. Yeah, that sounds great. Have you actually done it yourself? I have not. Um, so the, the the dirty little secret is I'm not really such a football fan. Uh, moreover, and perhaps more to the point, I live in Israel and they're in Chicago and all over the U.S. So it hasn't come up yet. But I've seen the the the, the side of the technology and the business from all sorts of different directions, and people are really really ecstatic when they use the service. So. Um, my experience counts less than theirs, I guess. <laughs> right, okay. Um, a couple of other things I wanted to, to touch on as well. So you produce a couple of uh, weekly newsletters as well. So one about becoming better developers and the other about training. So how long have you been doing those? So Better Developers has been around for, I think, about two years or so, maybe two and a half, three years. Um, and it comes out every Monday uh, morning. And it's actually what we call an evergreen newsletter. So when you subscribe, you get issue number one. Meaning I don't have to work at all if you subscribe now. I think I have like 90 issues in the can. And every Monday, though, you get another sort of suggestion for how you can improve your programming practices. I talk a lot about, as you can imagine, Python, but also some other things. I talk about Git. I talk about sort of general attitudes toward learning, toward career improvement as a developer uh, in corporations and even being uh, self-employed. Um, and as, as of this recording, I think I have about 12,000 subscribers getting it every week. And basically, I see it as a chance for me to share things that I've learned, both in class and on my own, and to explore topics that I want to learn, that I want to learn more about, because the fact is, at the end of the day, all of us are constantly learning in the IT world. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Yeah, definitely. Okay, um, so Riven, can you perhaps share a career tip with the audience, one they perhaps don't know and should? When I first started off, I was sure... 
I will, over time, know everything, right? And so I just have to sort of keep up and race. And the thing is, so I've been doing this since the early 90s, and the pace has just increased. And the nonsense that I was thinking then, that if I just read enough and work enough and think enough, I'll be able to learn everything, is clear. So that was sort of originally my goal. And so my top career tip is be smarter than me and focus on one thing right? Try to find something that's interesting to you. Try to find something that you can you know, get a job in. And it's okay to focus on that one thing. And don't worry that you're missing out on lots of other stuff. Because the fact is, you are missing out on lots of other stuff. And there's not much you can do about it. And if you want to change at some point, you can change too. You can always change your focus. But try to become a, a big fish in a small pond, rather than uh, you know, spreading yourself too thinly to mix lots of metaphors there. How long would you typically focus on one particular subject? It can be forever. I mean, it can be your entire career. Like there's some people who are just super experts at, I don't know, database optimization, right? And they find this scintillatingly exciting. And so they'll just do it for 30, 40 years. There are other people who every three, four years sort of switch around. So I've been, you know, I started off doing web development and then I moved into sort of more general development and consulting with a little bit of training. And then a few years ago, I said, you know, I love the training stuff so much, I should focus on that. So it's more evolution than revolution. But every two, three years, I kept thinking to myself, what part of what I'm doing is making me happiest and has the greatest potential for the future? And slowly, which sort of sort of veering in that direction and constantly reevaluating. Right. And you focus particularly on Python most recently. Right, right. So I've been using Python since, uh, again, the early 90s. And so I've been using it, but I was also using a bunch of other languages. And I wrote a book on Perl and did some Perl training consulting. And I did a lot of Ruby for a long time. And it turns out that Python is just completely ridiculously popular now and hot in every company. And so for a while, I was trying to do Python training and Ruby training and PostgreSQL training. And as I said, you just can't do everything. And so when it came down to it, I needed to focus on something. I said, you know what? The Python world is so exciting and interesting and lots of business opportunities. I'm going to focus on that and leave the other stuff by the wayside a bit. And I'm a little sad by that, but that's just sort of the nature of the beast. Yeah. So, Riven, can you share maybe your worst IT career moment with us and what you learned from that experience? (laughs) You sort of warned me you were going to ask this question. I kept thinking, wow, I've had so many nightmarish situations. What, (laughs) which, which one would be us to share? So here's one. So I got a phone call uh, just as I was heading out to a meeting. Hi, this is Riven. You do Linux servers. I have an emergency. Can you help? I said, tell you what, I'll go to my meeting and then I will be there for you. You got it. And I showed up at this guy's office at a data center, probably like four or five in the afternoon. And I pulled an all-nighter there, more or less saving his servers. Um, And he was like, wow, this is the best. And our previous guy disappeared on us and you have completely saved the day. And I had to pull all sorts of magic tricks out of my sleeves. And I felt great. I should mention, by the way, that I was so like sucked into this work in the basement of a data center, sort of neglected to tell my wife where I was. That's a nightmare in a different section. <laughs> here's, yes. a, here's a professional tip. Tell your wife where you are. Anyway, so I came home exhausted. I slept all day. I felt great. Um, and then, of course, it came time to bill him. And he didn't really respond. And then I tried billing him again. And then he said, tell you what, we're going we're gonna to fax you our response. This was back in the days of fax machines, you know, in the dark ages. And the fax comes through and it says, Reuven Lerner is a crook and a thief. He ruined our servers. And not only are we not going to pay him, we are suing him for damages. And I started to shake and turn white. 
and everything else imaginable. And I realized that I had completely, completely been conned by this guy. And why had the guy's previous network administrator or IT person gone away? Probably because they had been stiffed also. So the lesson I learned from this is, yes, you want to help people, right? Consulting is, a, is an industry in which you love to help people. You want to see them succeed. And that great feeling I had at the end of that all-nighter was indeed a feeling of, yes, I helped this guy get back on his feet. But it's a business also, and you have to make sure to check people out and make sure to go through, you know, dot all the I's and cross all the T's and sign contracts, make sure people are on the up and up, even if it's an emergency, because I hate to say it, there are bad people out there and they might be playing you. Yeah, well, that's a terrible thing to have heard. Um, I presume you didn't hear anything further after that. Strangely not. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, given some time and distance, I can laugh about it now. But boy, I was, I was, it, it probably took a good week or two for me to yeah. stop having horrible thoughts like, maybe he's right. Maybe I was terrible. Maybe I ruined it. And then realizing, no, no, the guy is just a liar and getting out of paying a, a lot of money for me saving his skin. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So moving away from your worst moment, can you perhaps tell us about your career highlight? Again, like lots of good stories here. So, okay, so I'll, I'll tell like the, the the famous historical one. So I uh, was at MIT uh, as an undergraduate, and um, one day a friend of mine comes back. We were I was at the newspaper. I was the editor in chief of the student newspaper, um, and there were a bunch of us who sort of worked on the computer system there. And a friend of mine comes back and he, to the newspaper office. He says, "Hey, I was just at this talk by this guy named Tim Berners Lee. He invented something he's calling the World Wide Web. I think this is going to be hot." We should get in on this. We were all like, yeah, yeah, sounds great. So we like downloaded the 30, 40 line HTTP server that existed at the time written in Perl. And we sort of connected our newspaper systems to it. And we hacked all sorts of stuff together so we could export stuff from the newspaper's proprietary typesetting system and turn it into this newfangled thing that was then called HTML. Um, And we set up a website. And then we did what everyone did in those days, which was email Tim Berners-Lee and say, hey, here's our website. What do you think? He said, oh, that is so cool. I will put you on the list of all the websites in the world. Um, So this was, uh, strangely, he's not in this business anymore. So don't email him with your (laughs) website when you put them up. And um, we were basically the first newspaper on the web. And we encountered all sorts of problems, like growing pains. No one had thought about how to do search before. No one had thought how to like set things up before. We had to tell the students how to install a browser because browsers were so new. And so it's like amazing to think that back then you had to sort of help people help themselves. And now like there's a browser and you know basically every toothbrush and drinking glass uh, you know, as it stands. So it might not be like you know, a modern success story, but basically it was a great feeling of we got something sort of put together when the infrastructure wasn't there. And it helps me to marvel sort of what, what the infrastructure is nowadays and, and how amazing it is. Yeah, it was very innovative at the time and quite disruptive that this, this was happening and you were you were there, which was a fantastic thing to be to be doing. It was great fun. It was great, great fun. Yeah. So, Riven, can you tell us what excites you about the future of the IT industry and careers in IT? First of all, there's there's several parts to this, of course. First of all, as I tell my children all the time, I am incredibly fortunate to be working in an industry that is hugely in demand and is just growing in demand. It pays well. It forces people to constantly be learning and working on new skills, which is great. Like people pay me to learn and I get to do something I really love. And 
You know, I, I love like many computer people, I like solving puzzles. And I see what I do all the time as a puzzle, whether it's writing the actual software, helping people to understand how to write software. And so the future is incredibly bright. Like software is just entering every single element of our lives in more and more pervasive ways. You know, machine learning is entering our lives and becoming uh, really pervasive there. And so the careers have never been brighter and never more accessible, right? Like the fact that open source is so available and everyone can download it, install it and play with it and use it. The skills that even teenagers have nowadays were unthinkable even 10, 15 years ago. So if you are interested in this industry, there it is so huge and growing and inviting and available. Um, you just need to put in some effort to learn some skills. And then you will, as I said, be forced to learn new skills. And if you like learning, that's a great thing. Yeah, that's very true. Are there any particular directions or technologies that, that interest you or where you, you can see or you believe we're going? Look, for many, many years, people made fun of these high-level languages like Python because they basically said, oh, it's not so efficient and we need to squeeze every ounce of efficiency out of our computers that we can. And so I often say that Python and languages like it are perfect for an age in which people are expensive, but computers are cheap. And so we see that programming languages no longer have to have this very steep learning curve to be effective and to be in demand and be used in production. So, um, you know, Python is like that. You know, you also have other languages like JavaScript, like even Ruby and so forth that are available. So basically, no longer do you need to struggle through a C++ course just to get a job. It's much more accessible to everyone. So that's one great thing, like that things are more available. Another great thing is, I mean, you know, data science is growing everywhere. So if you can force yourself or even enjoy learning a little bit of statistics and a little bit of the math that's involved there, then you've really written your ticket to an incredible success because those people are crazy, crazy in demand, even without a huge amount of experience, just because companies need someone to analyze their data and data is not going anywhere. On the contrary, everyone's just accumulating more and more of it and needs to make sense of it. Okay, we're going to go into the reveal round now. We're going to find out a little bit more about you and the way you think. Are you ready for this? I am ready. Okay. So what first attracted you to a career in IT? I loved playing with computers from the time that I was a little kid. And, you know, computers weren't really that amazing back then. Uh, they weren't nearly nearly as advanced as even like the, the cheapest cell phone on the market. But they were fun. It was fun to sort of play around with programming and explore and see what I could do. But the fact is, I had no idea what the computer industry was like until basically after I graduated from university and got my first job. And then I was like, oh, this is what you do at a computer company. I get it. So um, I think I was a little naive. I was very naive about what even the possibilities for jobs were. I didn't know. I did an internship when I was in college, and I just sort of continued working there at HP afterwards. And so I never even had the experience of looking around at different types of jobs and evaluating them, which was, I think, kind of foolish. So what attracted me was the fun of computers. Um, but the industry really, I mean, I guess I read a lot of computer magazines uh, even as a kid, and I kept reading the business section. So I sort of understood everything around it, but not it itself. And what is the best career advice you've ever received? Probably from my wife, which was to stop working. Out. So so basically, I, uh, I'd been doing, as I said, like consulting and programming and training all mishmash together. And then when I was working on my PhD, uh, when I was finishing up the dissertation, I did training through a training company as opposed to doing it on my own. Um, and they were very nice to me and they marketed me. But the best advice I got was stop working with them. Go back to doing it on your own. 
I was very worried about doing that because I thought, well, what's going to happen? I'm going to lose my you know, prospects and people want to work with me. And on the contrary, it changed everything. Everything about my career improved from the time that I went back to doing training on my own. So I am uh, very appreciative for my wife for like pushing me to do that. <laughs> and she will say, you should have listened a year earlier and she would be right. Yeah. And on the flip side of that, what is the worst career advice you've ever received? Okay, I remember this so clearly. Uh, so when I first started consulting, uh, there was this lawyer I met um, who had his own practice. He said, okay, you're in business for yourself. Now I'm going to give you some advice. You have a potential client, whatever they want to do, you say yes. I was like, oh, that is great advice, right? And for several years, basically whoever came to me, whatever they wanted, whatever language, whatever technology, I would say absolutely positively, I will do that. And what ended up happening was I was spending so much time learning different things and having a ball at it. I was never developing an expertise in any one thing and thus becoming well known for being the expert in thing X. And so that advice really sort of took me off track for a good number of years until I realized that people want an expert in one thing and not, uh, you know, sort of was it jack of all trades, master of none, I think is the yeah. phrase, which yep. is what I'd sort of become to some degree. Right. And if you were to begin your IT career again in today's world, what would you do? Look, I love being an independent consultant and I love doing the training. So I somehow want to sort of get to that point. I work for a big company. I work for a small company. In consulting, I work for all sorts of things. I still think I'm a small company sort of guy. And I think that I learn the most at small companies. So if I were starting off again, sort of knowing what I know now, I think I'd try working for a few different small companies, even startups, for a few years, three to five years, because you learn so much. You're forced to learn things on the job. You're forced to deal with lots of unpredictability. And those lessons stick with you and really inform your decisions later on. I'll add, some people hate small companies and startups because of the pressure. It's, I think, good and useful to be exposed to a big company but my exposure to working in big companies basically told me I never want to work at such a place, <laughs> even though it's stable, but it's just like totally contrary to my uh, hating people telling me what to do. And what career objectives are you currently focusing on? I'm trying to do uh, a few different things, right? I told, told everyone they should focus on one thing, but I, of course, am focusing on several things in the same space. So first of all, uh, I'm looking to expand my, my training business. So I've already got, like, I mean, the good news is I'm sort of filled up with training six to nine months in advance. So I feel great about that. At the same time, I can always be looking for more clients, bigger clients, better paying clients. Um, and so I'm especially looking to expand in the U.S. and Europe more than I've done already. Um, sort of be, be a bigger fish in that, that pond. I'm also trying, I have a whole bunch of online courses that I sell. And marketing those online is a completely different skill set. So yes. I'm learning that and learning to improve, learning the hard way, like everyone, better than I used to be, but, you know, still lots of room for improvement. I've got a few online courses that I'm sort of preparing, recording, planning to do. And I, I go to China a few times a year, um, and I'm now actually setting up a new company in China to translate and then distribute and sell my courses there, which I'm sure is going to be a completely wild ride. Um, so setting things up there is going to be fun and interesting and i'm sure challenging in all sorts of ways yeah i can imagine that will be challenging and just just the regulations side of things i would have thought oh my god i hadn't even thought about the regulations <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope my partners there have thought about it but now that you've mentioned it, it scared me <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure you'll get there <laughs> 
And what's the number one non-technical skill that has helped you in your career so far? So I would say it's communication skills, right? So whether it's public speaking, whether it's writing, and uh, even related to that, touch typing. So when I when I teach, when I give my training, I almost never use slides. I'm always standing there typing as I talk. And people are like sort of shocked that I can do that. But anyone can do it. It's just a matter of putting the time and learning to touch type. And when I was in college, right, we had this writing requirement. And a whole bunch of the students, uh, the engineering students, were really against this. They're like, oh, come on. We're going to be scientists and engineers. We don't need to learn writing. And some professors said, look, you dummies. Even if you're a scientist or engineer, especially, you ha- like what you do isn't worth anything if you can't communicate effectively with other people. And so if you can improve your speaking, improve your writing, it's actually better to be a good communicator and a mediocre developer than a fantastic developer who can't communicate with other people. Absolutely. Communication skills are so important. And what do you do to keep your own career energized? So I'm constantly reading and learning new stuff. Uh, Constantly I subscribe to various newsletters and I'm always reading new books But I would say the real thing that keeps me going and that pushes me is my students. So just about every day, I'm in front of a bunch of people for, let's say, you know, six to eight hours teaching them. And if I'm lucky, they ask a lot of really good questions. Someone once told me this great phrase, which is, if a a good question is one where the student does not know the answer, and an excellent question is one where the teacher does not know the answer. And so (laughs) I love getting excellent questions in my courses. I say to people, you know what? That's a great question. Excellent question. I'm going to go do my homework and learn more about that. And easily 60 to 70% of what I teach is the result of people asking questions where I have to go research, learn new things, improve my explanations, improve my understanding, and turn around and help my, my students. Yeah, that's great to hear. And what do you do away from technology? So um, a bunch of different things. My, my obsession slash hobby, depending on who you ask in my family, uh, for the last few years has been I've been learning Chinese. Uh, after I started to go there, someone told me before I went there the first time, oh, you know, you should really learn Chinese. I was like, ha that's a great joke, right? Who could learn Chinese? And uh, four years later, actually, four and a half years later, when I go there, it is great, great fun to be able to jabber with people and talk with them. I mean, I have a terrible grammar and vocabulary and a horrible accent, but they can understand me and I can un- mostly understand them. And the, the looks on my uh, students' faces are priceless. Uh, you know, it's worth I can imagine, penny, yeah. <laughs> every penny of the investment <laughs> I've made. And when I'm, when I'm not uh, obsessing over Chinese, uh, I like to cook. I like to read a lot, spend time with my family. Lately, I've gotten addicted to New York Times crossword puzzles. My family likes to travel. So, yeah, yeah. and I've got three kids. So spending time with, with them is also uh, very important. And, and Reuven, can you share a parting piece of career advice with the IT Career Energizer audience? People in the IT industry have this amazing, amazing opportunity. The world is desperate for people who know something about this technology. Many people are scared of it. Many people don't understand it, but everyone needs it. And so it is this huge constellation of different jobs and different skills all revolving around this stuff. So whatever you do within the IT world will almost certainly be in demand. And so you have this opportunity now that's almost unique to choose your own path and still get decent salaries for it and have a long career path for it. So take advantage of that. Poke around, learn a few different things before you choose a direction. And then when you choose a direction, as I said before, don't feel like it's set in stone. You're constantly going to grow, constantly going to evolve, constantly learn new things and say, huh, I used to do X. Now I do sort of, you know, X plus one. 
and I'm even happier as a result. But take advantage of this moment in time because uh, people really uh, would have killed for it uh, even a few decades ago. And finally, what's the best way we can find out more about you and connect with you? Sure. So uh, there's my website, learner.co.il, and that collects uh, both uh, information about me and my courses online and offline and also my blog. I probably write on my blog about, I don't know, once every week or two, usually some sort of Python thing, typically actually a question that someone has asked me either in my class or via email. Um, You can also find my newsletters there. You're more than welcome to connect with me on Twitter and on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm very happy to communicate with people. If you email me, I will respond. It might just take some time because I'm a little overwhelmed with email. So if you need a quicker response, Twitter is probably a good way to do that. And I'm always super, super happy to hear from people around the world and see if I can help them out in some way. Great. And Ruben, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been great chatting with you. My great pleasure. Thanks so much, Phil, for having me on. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening in to today's episode and to my guest career tips, advice and experiences. You'll find a show notes page for today's episode on the IT Career Energizer website, which will be itcareerenergizer.com slash e, and then the number of today's episode. And a quick reminder that the show has now three episodes every week on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. So make sure that you are subscribed to the show to get new episodes automatically downloaded. Also, don't forget to join the IT Career Energizer Community Facebook group. You'll get to engage with other like-minded people, get to find out more about upcoming guests and other episodes, and can get involved in the future direction of the podcast. It really is a great pleasure to be able to talk to so many inspirational people from across the industry and to be able to share their stories and advice with you. Thanks for listening, and remember, if you're not growing your career, you're slowing your career. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.